0: Excited when I come up to preach. All right. I just want to welcome everybody. My name is Paul. I'm one of the campus pastors here, along with my wife, Jamie, who, as you just heard in Sammy's prayer, uh, she's away in the States. She's visiting her twin sister, who is about to give birth in a couple weeks. And so, uh, yeah, I just wanted to spend time with her before she gave birth. And... But lucky for you, I'm still here, All right, so you guys still have me, and uh, yeah, I'm excited to share the Word of God with you this afternoon. Now let's turn to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews is one of the last books in the New Testament, towards the end. Right, Hebrews 4, verse 14, through chapter 5, verse 2. For every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can deal gently with the ignorant and wayward, since he himself is beset with weakness. This is the word of the Lord. All right, let's pray one more time. Uh, Father, thank you for your word, God. Thank you for uh, your love and your, and your grace, and I pray that Yeah, you would just just speak to us and speak through me today. Hey God, Lord, I offer myself up to you, God, and I pray for the anointing of the Spirit to be upon this message. I pray for every heart in this room, God, that we would have humble and teachable hearts, ready to apply what you teach us out of your word. And so instruct us and train us in the way of wisdom so that we might become more and more like you in all our lives. We pray blessing upon this time. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, It's the Year of Wisdom here at New Philly. Uh, Each year we have a different theme. And this year the theme is Wisdom, the Year of Wisdom. And uh, I I wanted to highlight one particular wisdom today. It's It's a wisdom that's a little bit overlooked. It's not really taught or preached on or thought about too much. But it is a very precious aspect of wisdom, and uh, when you see it embodied and lived out in a person's life, it, it really sparkles and it really shines. Uh, and you know, this 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 wisdom is is really important for relationships. Yeah, Zoe, <laughs> it's important for relationships. Uh, you know, relationships are often can can get pretty messy, right? Like, you know, when, especially when you have to get closer to people and work closely with people, and, you know, it just gets messy because people are messed up. You know, we get impatient, we get annoyed, frustrated, we get all, all these things with people. And if you have this particular wisdom, this, this trait, this quality is like, is like oil for your relationships. It makes things so much smoother and so much more pleasant and peaceful. And so, uh, you know, what is this word? What is this quality? This is the quality of gentleness. Oh, yeah, that's right. Some of you guys are convicted already, you know? Yeah. You need to repent what you, what you said in the morning. I'm just kidding. Um, I'm just kidding. But, uh, hey, so I want to talk, highlight a little bit about gentleness, right? We don't really hear about this trait too much. But gentleness is so important in all our relationships And, you know, uh, for me personally, my testimony is that before I was a Christian, and even before I was married, you know, and I was still a Christian before I was married, but I was not known to be the most gentle person. And I know many of you guys are totally surprised at that. You're bewildered. Pastor Paul, you're so gentle. You're so kind. And how could you ever... You know, it was back in the day when I was less sanctified. I, yeah, I still have to grow in this, but um, yeah, I was very, I was very sharp. I was very brusque, abrasive. Uh, I remember people used to use these words on me, and I was like, "What are you, what are you talking about?" But then I was like, "Yeah, I, I am pretty, I am pretty rough around the edges." And praise the Lord, I have a very gracious and patient wife, uh, who, after so many years, has uh, through our marriage, I've been learning and growing to be more gentle. And I've been, uh, one, of the, one of the prayers I've been uh, praying just throughout our marriage and just for many years is, Lord, would you make me more gentle? Make me a gentle person. Give me a gentle spirit. Because it's, it's really hurting my life. <laughs> and it's hurting my life. Uh, and, you know, praise the Lord. Uh, thanks be to God for his grace because I have seen growth in this area. But I thought it would be good to uh, just spend some time on some sustained reflection on this quality of gentleness. And as you know, or as you may know, gentleness is one of the fruit of the Spirit that is uh, cataloged in Galatians chapter 5. The Apostle Paul talks about the fruit of the Spirit. And he highlights nine different characteristics that should mark the Christian. And you should see this more and more in your life. Think like love, joy, peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And gentleness is usually overlooked, but I want to talk about this today, right? So, let's see what the Bible says about gentleness, and we can't we can't be exhaustive about this because we only have a little bit of time to look at this, but uh, yeah, you know, I just want to uh, help you get a feel for what it is, how it works, and how to grow in this. All right, so let's look at gentleness. So, I, I looked up the word gentle or gentleness or any variation thereof and all the different ways that it's used, particularly in the New Testament. And you see a couple uh, situations where this quality is brought out. Okay, so the first situation, the first circumstance where you see gentleness highlighted is gentleness in conflict. See, gentleness often comes up in the context of conflict And differences. And you know, gentleness is not a quality that's so admired or praised in our culture today. We you know, in our day we celebrate the the, the tough, strong, you know, aggressive guys, people like William Wallace, you know, the leader who's bold and courageous and strong. How many how many times do we celebrate, oh man, that person is just so gentle? Yeah, especially you know sometimes you know if you, if you're like you know out in the world and in the way in the ways of this eat dog world it's kind of tough out there you got to be tough right you got to stand up for yourself you know don't back down right and if you if you live on the streets you you got to be tough but you know we don't we don't celebrate like oh i, I really want to grow in gentleness you know, I, we don't really hear that prayer request too often do we uh and it's unfortunate, you know, the, this idea of gentle Jesus, meek and mild. You guys know that song, that hymn, yeah. right? We we have this idea of Jesus. He's so he's so gentle. He's like a hippie, you know. He's like a hippie and a, wearing a dress and just walking around and just you know just at peace with everybody and just like just you know just want to hang out and chill and drink some herbal tea and you know that's just you know this is the idea we have of Jesus. That he's just gentle Jesus, meek and mild, and. It's a distorted notion because actually Jesus, he was a carpenter, right? He, Jesus was probably really strong and muscular, you know what I mean? Like, in the Old Testament, God is a gardener. He has his hands in the dirt. In the New Testament, Jesus is a carpenter, okay? So Jesus is a guy who, who can, you know, who can throw a swing a hammer, right? He, he, he knows what's up, okay? But at the same time, you know what I mean? Like, no, nobody could walk over Jesus. At the same time, he's so gentle. You see... Gentleness is not a weakness. It's actually a royal attribute. And uh, the, the idea of gentleness uh, that we see in the scriptures is the idea of forbearing strength. So it's from a position of strength, and you're forbearing in the face of conflict, provocation, insult, and injury. And the only way you can be gentle in the face of these things is by being gentle. Wait, that's not what i to But, yeah, the only way you can deal gently with these things is by having this quality, just having this strength. Right? So, gentleness is not a weakness. It's the ability to endure injury with patience and without resentment. It's, be, it's being willing to suffer injury rather than to afflict it back on the person. A gentle person doesn't feel the need or have the instant reflex to hurt others back in order to assert him or herself. See, that is, that's the idea of what gentleness is. And so it comes from a position of strength. And we see this highlighted so much in conflict. In the New Testament, we see, you know, it says, uh, 2 Timothy, it says, The Lord's servant must be correcting his opponents with gentleness. To be a servant of the Lord, one of the qualities you got to have is gentleness, because you're gonna you're gonna face opposition, you're gonna face conflict, and to you need to be able to face those things with gentleness. You know, uh, James in chapter three, he talks about who is wise and understanding among you, by his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness or gentleness of wisdom. Wisdom. If you're a wise person, then your life is going to be marked increasingly by gentleness. So, when you, when you face opposition, when you're provoked, when you're incited, when you're tempted to get upset, frustrated, angry, be gentle. Be gentle. Here, let me ask you this. How many of you guys failed to be gentle this past week? Maybe with a coworker, maybe with a roommate, maybe with a significant other, whether you're dating or you're married, family members. Oh yeah, yeah, let that conviction come, right? Yeah, yeah, there's probably a lot of us here in this room today, and you're probably thinking, well, that's easy for you to say, Pastor Paul, you don't have my husband." Not, you don't have my girlfriend. You don't have my roommate. You don't have my boss. If you just understood what my boss was like, it's easy for you, Pastor Paul. You're married to Pastor Jamie. <laughs> it's easy to be gentle with her. You don't know what I'm going to... See, the, see that's, that's what the Bible's talking about. In the face of these situations, that's when your gentleness is tested. Gentle, it's be easy to be gentle when people are all being loving and nice to you. But in the face of injury, in the face of insult, are you able to respond with gentleness? No. <laughs> right? So gentleness and conflict, this, this is very important and very important for our relationships. And, you know, I think the people who are closest to us know this best about us. Right? What would the people who are closest to you who live with you? Or your family members, or your spouse. What would they say? Are you a person who is gentle? Your life is marked by gentleness. No matter what comes in your life, no matter how much stress, no matter how much insult. You see, people who aren't close to us, it's easy to be gentle with them, or not be so openly hostile because we don't we don't have to we don't have to deal with them, right? We can just ignore them. I mean, like, oh yeah, that, that's how that's how it's gonna be. All right, yo. Like, I'm just just ignore you. You know, you don't got to talk to that person. But the people who you're close to, you can't escape them. They're in your face. You're in their face. Are you able to carry that out relationship-wise with gentleness? You see, we're people so quick to take and cause offense. And we need to grow up in this glorious trait of gentleness. You see, uh, one of the pictures that comes to mind is Aslan, the lion. (laughs) C.S. Lewis, the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe. You know that scene in the first movie where the Aslan is, you know, he's bound, and he's shorn, and he's gagged, and he's being brought up those stairs, and he's surrounded by all these ghouls and and hags. They're just howling and cackling and taunting him on his way up those stairs to the stone table, the place of execution. And he is just calmly just going to that place in the face of all this taunting. And little do they know that he has such great power that with one swipe of his paw, he could just wipe out all of them. He's Aslan. He's a lion. But so meekly does he go to that place. That's a mark of gentleness. That's the picture that I get. And we see this in Jesus' life. You know, one author had this to say. Jesus exhibited this trait of gentleness so remarkably that his fragrance and color marked his entire life. Here walked the Lord of glory with his own creatures. Every human being that Jesus met owed him life and utter loyalty. Yet, most of these people ignored Jesus, misunderstood him, tried to use him, reviled him, plotted against him. Even his own intimate followers who basically loved him repeatedly proved themselves dense as stones. How did he put up with it for 33 years? gentlemen? Gentlemen, When Judas Iscariot betrayed Jesus, the sign he gave to point out which man is Jesus, he says... The one I kiss is the man. So he goes up to Jesus. And how does Jesus respond? This disciple who he's been pouring out his life into for three years, loving on, caring on, so much is pouring out his life. And now he's getting betrayed, stabbed in the back by Judas. How does Jesus respond? He says, Judas, would you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? That's all, that's all he says. It's like, how much is he holding back there? You know, do, you, do, you, do you see that gentleness? That he even deals with his enemies with such meekness and gentleness. The scriptures say about Jesus, he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Even in the face of the most intense persecution and opposition, all throughout his life, he was marked by gentleness. That's amazing. You know, I remember when the first, when the Lord was first beginning to uh, reveal this uh, to me, and I was wanting to grow in it, and I was praying to the Lord. Lord, teach me about gentleness. Make me gentle. Help me to be a gentle person. And I was driving on the road, and I'm just, I was just praying to God. You know, I like to pray when I drive. Right? So I'm like, Lord, teach me about gentleness. This guy cuts me off, and I was like, Make it Oh, Lord, oh, oh, you know, I was like convicted right there. I mean, in so many ways. How do you respond when your spouse speaks harshly to you? When your boss speaks condescendingly? When someone you know is talking behind your back? What's your response? See, we, we need to be gentle, gentle in conflict. See, temperamentally, naturally, we might be either gentle or assertive. Okay, one or the other. But you see, it's easy to be one or the other, but not have both together. True gentleness, you're able to be gentle and assertive. See, some of us, we just want to withdraw. We we don't like confrontation. We want to avoid. We want to retreat. And that's not true gentleness that comes from a position of strength. That's, That's more weakness. That's cowardly. Because you're trying to avoid and withdraw. Others of us we're more rough, and it's easy for us to confront, but we're not able to do it with a sweet and gentle spirit. That's more like arrogance. You see, some of us, some of you, you, you're naturally gentle. You're you're just you're just a sweetie at heart. You know, you're just really fluffy, and you're like a teddy bear, and you're just really sweet. Hey, you know, that's, that's cool. You know, God, God makes some people uh, you know, more, more temperamentally sweet and gentle. But you know, you're not able to be assertive. You know, when you know that you need to say something difficult, challenging to another person, you'd rather avoid that conversation. You'd rather not have that talk. See, you're temperamentally sweet and gentle, but you're not assertive. You're not bold. See, that's not true gentleness that comes from a position of strength. That's, that's more avoiding and retreating. You know, others of us, we're, we're, just, we're just able to be assertive, and it's, it comes naturally. This is more like me, okay? And this is a sign of arrogance. If you're able to confront and be assertive, but there's no tenderness, there's no, there's no gentleness, no meekness about it, then that's not true gentleness either. That's just, that's just arrogance. You just think you're better, and you look down on other people. You see, true gentleness combines these two qualities together. You're able to be sweet and you're able to be assertive and bold at the same time. That is a true mark of gentleness. And as we grow in this grace, this beautiful, wonderful fruit of the Spirit, and it marks our relationships, man, that's going to make a big difference. right? And so... That's the first thing we see, gentleness and conflict, all right? But second area that we see in the scriptures uh, where it talks about gentleness is gentleness with other people's failures. See, the passage we just read in Hebrews, it talks about the high priest, and Hebrews 5-2 says, he's able to deal gently with the ignorant and the wayward since he himself is beset with weakness. The high priest is able to deal gently with other people's weaknesses and their failings. So we're going to see two aspects of this, right? So first, you're able to deal gently with people's failures and sins. But second, you're also able to deal gently with people's weaknesses. All right, so let's look at these two. First, you're able to deal gently. Galatians 6.1, it says, Brothers... If anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. See, the only way you're going to truly be able to correct someone with gentleness is if you know in your heart that you yourself are able to struggle with the same thing. You know, if you if you think you're going to go correct somebody about some sin or some weakness, and you think... And you're kinda of looking down on them and you would say and you're saying, Oh, I will never do something like that. Oh, I can never be like that. They need to change. And and you don't and you think you're better than them somehow? And that you yourself are not beset with the same type of weakness, then you are not ready to talk to that person about that issue. Because you're gonna be awkward, you're gonna be haughty, you're gonna be clumsy, you're not gonna you're not gonna speak life into that person. It's gonna be condescending, judgmental, and you know, maybe they'll be able to receive it, but more often than not, they won't be able to. Even if what you're saying is true. Because you yourself don't think, hey, I'm also capable of doing that. See, 1 Corinthians ten thirteen. we read this a couple of weeks ago in our scripture reading. It says, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. That means there is not a single temptation that any person struggles with that's not common to all people. Jesus said this in the Sermon on the Mount. Right? He says, you know, you don't commit adultery? Well, I'll tell you what. If you even lust after a woman in your heart, that's committing adultery. Oh, you, you, know, you know not to commit murder. Well, if you're angry at someone and you insult them, then that's murder in your heart. See, you may look at a murderer and say, oh, I will never do something like that. But, you know, murder is the full flower. It's the full tree. But where does that grow from? It it grows from the seed of anger. And how many of us know that we are very capable of being angry? Sometimes, maybe. And so, no matter what another person is struggling with, it's not any temptation, any weakness, you are also capable of doing that if not for God's grace. That's why the high priest is able to deal gently, since he himself is beset with the same weakness. So in order for us to be able to speak into one another's lives about different weaknesses and failures, in order to deal gently, you've got to first understand, hey, I'm also capable of doing something like that too, if not for God's grace. That's why Paul says, keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. You know, there was a story I heard a few years ago, and it always stuck with me. And it was a story of this elderly woman. Uh, she went to this young pastor at an uh, urban megachurch. And this, this young pastor was very gifted, uh, you know, and he was very gifted in ministry and in what he does, and people loved him. And he was working uh, ministering in the city. And then this elderly woman came to him, and she said, you know, you are called to minister in an urban environment. That is true. But I want to uh, encourage you, spend at least a short season ministering out in the rural areas, the country. Why? Because in the city, you know, you have people coming in and out all the time. Your congregation is always in flux. It's changing. But one thing you're going to learn through ministry in a small town, in a rural area, where it's basically the same people through the years, through the decades... She says, you're going to learn three things. Number one, people change slowly. Now, you know, there's times when the Holy Spirit is poured out and change is quicker at some times than others. But in general, what you see is people change slowly. Number two, people are all garden variety. Every issue that they struggle with is just a different variation on the same issue. And number three, you are just like them. You are just like them. And, you know, I always take that to heart because I'm, I'm a young pastor. And I'm ministering in a city. And, you know, one thing I've, I've learned over the years is that no matter what someone in my church or in my congregation, youth group, whatever, no matter what they're struggling with, so like I can't look down on them. Because within me is the seeds of the same kind of struggles, if not for God's grace. And so once you recognize that, it's like, oh, I will never do something. No, no you're, Paul, you're, you're capable of doing that. So when you speak to them, speak with gentleness. You know I mean? If we understood that, then the tenor of our conversations and when we confront each other about weaknesses and failures, which we need to have those conversations, it's going to look totally different. So you're able to deal gently. So that's number one. But second, you're able to deal gently. You're actually able to deal with someone who is stuck in a sin. You're not not afraid. You're not avoiding. You're not a coward. But you're able to deal with their weaknesses when it needs to be confronted. And, you know, this doesn't mean that every sin, every failure you see in another person, every weakness, you just go out and, and confront them like, Hey, you know. Like, what you, what you said to me earlier today, that that, that annoys me. You should stop doing it. Like, it's not like you should just go point out every single thing that's wrong with another person because the Bible also says love covers over a multitude of sins. Yeah. You know, Pastor Christian talked about when taking the high road, it is one's glory to overlook an offense. Yeah. So you've got to balance the Scriptures, right? What, what, so what kind of what weaknesses do you actually confront? Galatians six one says, if anyone is caught in a transgression. You who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. So it's not just, you know, a one-off weakness, a failure here and there, but if if someone's caught in it, if they're in bondage, if they're stuck, if it's a habitual, repeated pattern, characteristic that you see over and over and they're not changing and you know that it's really affecting their lives, then for that person, out of love for that person, for their good, then you should speak to that person. And you should deal gently with that person. You should have that conversation. But some of us, we're not able to deal. We're not able to deal with others' weaknesses. You know, one of the reasons why might be uh, maybe some of you are, you have no self control, you have no discipline in your own life. And so, because you're always failing, because you can never keep your own commitments. Because you're always lapsing, because you're always falling, you're gentle to other people. Because that's how you would deal with yourself. It's it's not true spiritual gentleness, it's just a way of dealing with your own conscience. So you're not able to deal firmly because you know that you have no discipline in your own life. Others of us, we're able to be gentle, but we're not able to be faithful. Faithful. Proverbs says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. What is that talking about? It's it's, it's like, profuse are the kisses of an enemy, but faithful are the wounds of a friend. There is a a true friend will be willing to wound you when you need it. When you have a blind spot, when you have an area in your life that is destroying your life, and it's going to really start to affect you, it already is, they will wound you, cut you, because they know that you need it. But some of us we're, we're gentle but we're not able to do that kind of faithful wounding. That takes courage. That takes strength. You got to be secure, you can't be afraid. So some of us, you know, we're, we're we're gentle because we have no self-control. Some of us we're gentle but we're not able to be firm and faithful. And, you know, we're not able to truly love anyone with that kind of firm, strong gentleness. And so a true friend neither avoids confrontation, because sometimes it's necessary, but a true friend also doesn't enjoy confrontation. But he does it in a spirit of meekness and a spirit of gentleness. Do you know how to do this in your life? Here's how you can know if you're this kind of gentle. How do you know if you're gentle with other people's weaknesses and failures? Do people come to you? Do they find you approachable when they're struggling with something? And they know that you're going to speak truth and yet you're going to do it with gentleness so they're not afraid. Do people actually open up to you about their struggles and about their weaknesses? Or does no one really approach you about those things? That could be a sign that maybe you're, you're a little too assertive, maybe not enough gentleness in your life. Do people feel safe to be open and honest and candid about their weaknesses with you? Is that the kind of aura that you give off? Because if you're truly a gentle person, you know, there's, there's one person I know, he, he exhibits this quality so well. Right, none of you guys know him. But he was a professor uh, back in seminary. And he was actually also Pastor Jamie's uh, counseling mentor for a year. And his name is David Pallison. And just like, I, I just see this guy. And every time I just see him, I just know what he's like. And so I just want to like, he is like the person that I will go to or anybody would want to go to. And you know that he would speak truth. And yet it's with such gentleness. He, he just breathes that kind of air. And all that we were—all that kind of people—able you know, to deal, right? You know, not not afraid. Uh, we're, you know, we're an apostolic church, and so we can speak the hard things. And yet, spirit of gentleness. You know, dude, are are you? You know, when when you actually confront someone, are you able to do it in a way that where people are not just like trying to like fight you, like right when you're coming at them? You know, they're not reeling back in defensiveness. But they're able to embrace your rebukes. You know, over the years I've learned to do this with my wife. I'm not I'm still not perfect at this, but sometimes, sometimes I am able to deal gently with her when the Holy Spirit just comes upon me in a moment <laughs> of inspiration and revelation. You know, a lot of other times I'm I'm just living in the flesh. And I just I just put blame on her and I point fingers and I accuse and I'm not gentle. But sometimes you know, one out of every however so often. I just feel, no, I'm serious. I feel the Spirit coming on me. And I just feel God speaking to me like, Paul, deal with her gently. Especially as a husband. Colossians talks about, husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Oh man, that just convicts me all the time. Right? <laughs> Forgive me, Lord. But yeah, dealing with other people's failures and their weaknesses. This is what Jesus was like. Right? He never, he never shh. Sh- Jesus was like this. Amen. Uh, so he never shirks away from calling people out on their sin. Right? For example, he you know the woman who was caught in adultery in John chapter 8? Right? The other people were like, stone this woman. And Jesus doesn't stone her, he doesn't condemn her. But he says, go. From now on, sin no more. You've been living in sin. You've been living in rebellion to God. So he doesn't just cover over the sin. right? He's able to deal with it, but also with gentleness. And so he says, go and from now on, sin no more. What? Man, that gentleness transformed that, that lady's life, that woman's life. You know, King David in the Psalms, he prays, Your gentleness, Lord, made me great. Do you know that through your gentleness, through the way that you minister gently to people, you are able to lift them up and make them great. Call them to something that they are not yet, but you know that they can become. It's through your gentleness. Do you see the power of gentleness when when you're able to deal gently with people? You're able to restore them. You're able to give them life. You're able to make them great. Man, gentleness is powerful. And that's what Jesus does with us, isn't it? Right? Matthew chapter 12, it talks about the prophecy about Jesus from Isaiah. And it says, a bruised reed he will not break. A smoldering wick he will not snuff out until he leads justice to victory. A bruised reed. What's a bruised reed? It can hardly stand on its own. So tender, so frail, so fragile, that even the the, the slightest touch is going to break it. And it says of Jesus, a bruised reed, someone who's broken, in his hands will come restoration and come life. A bruised reed he will not break. A smoldering wick he will not snuff out. A wick that's dying, you know, it's flickering, it's on its last light. He will deal so gently with that and bring it back to full flame. You know, there are some of us in here who are feeling like that. You feel like a bruised reed, like a smoldering. And thanks be to God, we have a Savior. We have a Lord who is able to deal gently with our weaknesses. And we can come to him because we know a bruised reed he will not break. In his hands, I will come back to life. Let me just come to him. Just come to him. You know, there's an obscure story in the Old Testament, in the book of Kings and Chronicles, about King David, and he commits a very great sin before the Lord. And the Lord comes to him, and he says, you have three choices. Number one, three years of famine. Number two, I might be getting a detail wrong. I forgot to review this story. But number two was like many, many weeks of uh, being persecuted by your enemies and running away from the sword. Number three, three days of the judgment of God. Three choices. What's it going to be, David? Right, this is the God's discipline for his sin. Now, what does David say? He says... Let me fall into the hands of God, for his mercy is very great, but let me not fall into the hands of man. He knows he's grievously sinned against the Lord, and yet he knows, but let me fall into the hands of God, because his mercy is very great. I know he will deal gently with me. David knows, he's experienced the gentleness of God. Do you know the gentleness of God? Do you know how gentle he is with each and every one of us? Man, we need to be more like Christ. But how do we get this gentleness, right? If I ended the sermon here and I just said, here's what Jesus is like, go be like him. You're going to walk away on your drive home. You're going to see your family. You're going to see your roommate. You're going to be like, man, you didn't, do the dishes again? You left this all this nasty stuff in the... You know, you're going to get upset and... You know, that's a stupid example, right? But, you know, you're going to go home. Now, how are you going to, how are you going to be able to outle- actually grow in this area of gentleness? You see, Jesus is not only the model of God's gentleness. He is also the mediator of God's gentleness. What does that mean? Who uses the word mediator these days? Okay, so let's talk about this, right? So Matthew 12, it says, A bruised reed he will not break, A smoldering wick he will not snuff out, Until he leads justice to victory. What does that mean? He will bring justice to victory. Justice means dealing with things as they ought to be deserved. Right? So, carrying out a punishment to the degree of the crime. That's justice. So, How does that make sense? A bruised reed he will not break, a smoldering wick he will not snuff out, until he leads justice to victory. That that doesn't sound like the best news, does it? Because if, if God dealt with me according to what I deserve, according to justice, then where is there room for gentleness? Where is there room for mercy? But you see, here's the justice of God that Jesus is the one who lived the sinless life in our place so that for all our sins and for all our weaknesses and for all our failures, he took the punishment of God so that through Jesus, we're able to experience the gentleness of God. So God, Jesus, he's going to lead justice to victory. He's going to deal gently with you. Because of what He's done for you. Because He's taken the judgment on your behalf through the cross by dying for your sins. Now you're able to come to Him. Don't you notice how many times in the Bible God is saying to us, come to me. Come to me. All you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Come to me. Don't be afraid. It is I. I'm the one who will not break a bruise. reed, no matter how fragile your life is right now. The passage we read, Hebrews chapter 4, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. No, we don't have some, some God who is unable to feel and understand what we're going through. No, He is able to sympathize. Why? Because He was tempted as we are, yet without sin. Those two sides are just as important. He was tempted as we are because he was a human. He lived life, life as a human being, walked on this earth, experienced all the temptations, all the trials that you and I go through every single day. Every single experience that you have gone through, it says Jesus was tempted as we are. At the same time, yet without sin. He was tempted. Yet without sin. So because he's without sin, he's able to be your substitute in your place. And so you gotta, you got to remember this. You know, sometimes we think, oh, God, you know, maybe he won't deal gently with me this time. You know, all I hear is the thundering of the law and of judgment. And Jesus says, No, I've taken your judgment. I will lead justice to victory. I will bring you from a bruised reed, from a a smoldering wick, and I will bring you back to life. And this is what God does. This is what God does in our lives. If you come to know Jesus, and you have a relationship with Him, where you're actually relating to Him, and you receive His... Ministry of gentleness. That's going to change you. It changed me. From a stupid, worthless, lost, distracted little punk. I still am in some ways, but... But, you know, God's changing me. Because of His gentleness. And that's how He does with all of us. So knowing He's gentle, the next verse in Hebrews, it says... Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Knowing that Jesus is gentle, that He was tempted as we are, yet without sin, let us go to Him with confidence. No matter what you're struggling with, no matter what you're going through, go to Him with confidence because you know that He's going to deal with you gently. If you are a Christian, if you're washed in the blood of Christ, and you believe in the cross, that's how he's going to deal with you. doesn't mean he's always soft. Gentleness, like I said, it comes with strength. It comes with boldness. He'll speak to you boldly, assertively, but in a manner that won't cut you off or kill you, but it's going to bring you back to life. So as you come to know and grow with Jesus in this way, the way you relate to people is going to change. You're having a conflict. You see someone's weakness. You're no longer looking down on them. But you're like, hey, if God dealt so gently with me, how how can I, who in the world am I to deal in any other way with anyone in my life? Gentleness. Let's all grow in this together. All right, let's pray.